Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John, here to amplify diverse voices in media. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com, which has full links to the show notes and guests. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, Alexa via TuneIn, anywhere else you can find podcasts. On this week's episode, returning for its annual tradition for the third time is the No Shame November episode. And joining me for this year's episode is a very special guest, uh, somebody that I have been following now for a couple years. You know, we have been in communication for a while, trying to cross paths at various events that we have been to and other situations but joining me for this year's no shame november is comedian podcaster chicago improv legend adore fi welcome to the show thank you so much for having me that's very kind of you so happy we finally figured it out yeah uh i knew it would happen one of these days it it was like all right we have been (laughs) at so many events at the same time and we've tried coordinating this but yes finally made it happen uh, those of you who might recognize this uh, voice on the other end. So Adorofi, of course, is from the incredibly incredibly popular podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern, as well as a new podcast called Hey Riddle Riddle. And along with that, he also does World News Tonight in the Chicago improv scene. And he is a professor of improv at University of Illinois, Chicago. So what we will do is... We're going to go through some getting to know you questions and then dive right into the No Shame November. Before we do any of that, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So, Adorify, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, you know, especially when it comes to improv circles. So, <laughs> first, first question, being that improv is such a unique skill set. I mean, there are stand-up comedians, there are writers, there are directors who are all in the comedy space, but improv is just a different beast altogether. Mm-hmm. When was that first moment? where you either felt funny or you felt that true kind of sense of improv, like, okay, I just made up this thing on the spot and I was pretty good at it. I remember being in, I think this is seventh grade, um, in, uh, Kiwani, Illinois. And I was always the, my family was always moving. I think, um, my dad, my mom, my sister and I moved to 11 different houses in like, nine years or something or 10 years. Wow. So we moved, we moved very frequently. And what I found was over time was that the way to in, in grain myself in a new school was to, to, you know, be funny. Uh, 
right. whether that be like repeating Simpsons bits I've heard or whatever, what we all start off with. Um, so I found a way to immediately sort of um, warm up to have people warm up to me, which was to be funny. So I remember uh, being in Kewanee, Illinois in seventh grade and sitting around the lunch table and I would do impressions of some of the teachers at the school. So we had this guy named Mr. Bennett who was just like a six-year-old dude who lived alone at home, was very uptight. Uh, always Mr. Would Bennett. Classed him Mr. Bennett, <laughs> um, Jane Austen character. So he would just like dress students down. Like if you did something, if you messed up, he would just like dress you down beyond what was like probably appropriate. <laughs> so like if you, threw a, if you threw a piece of paper into a trash can and it bounced out and missed, it, he would like walk up to your desk and grab your desk and slam it on the on the floor and like just just like dismantle you verbally where it was like we're just kids man what are you doing right. like what's your deal <laughs> so i would i would do impressions of him at uh, at the lunch table and do these like improvised kind of raps or songs uh as him just being an ass and that was the first time where like my friends would all like just go crazy for it and then invite other people over and they'd be like you have to hear this impression of mr bennett you have to you know um, so that was the first time where I, I saw the power of that, where I was like, not only are people enjoying it, but like people are coming to see me at the lunch table. Like I'm putting on my own sort of show at the lunch table every, every week, um, where people are gathering to see this. So that was the first sort of, uh, um, moment where I was like, oh, this is very fun. Uh, and then once I saw like, whose line is, is it anyway? I was like, oh, you can do this for a living. This doesn't seem right. Like, right. This must be <laughs> A, a trick somehow <laughs> yeah 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 so then and, you and had it was experience it sounds like almost every year for at least a big chunk of time yeah so it was a lot of moving around we we bounced around the country and then kind of settled in central illinois uh the 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 cradle of comedy and <laughs> right. uh and and that's when i i finally got to sort of stretch my legs a little bit and and get to to know friends for more than a you know eight to ten month period interesting now when when you're doing that kind of performance in the lunchroom you know and then mm -hmm. when you when it became time for like high school drama and things like that was that something that you were also did you kind of dive into that world or was it more putting absolutely on your own <laughs> no, no no so so you nailed it on the head so my sister was is a year older than me um and she got into her freshman year of high school she got into speech and debate which is mm -hmm. basically doing you know sketches and stuff oh yeah that was um, what so got she me got through college so oh hell yeah yeah so she got into that so as an eighth grader i would see her do that so when i became a freshman i followed in her footsteps and joined speech and debate as well even though i didn't really know what i was doing um and that's where i learned about writing comedy and performing comedy with like rehearsals and honing the the skill set and everything flexing that muscle and then i also would do the school plays which usually had a um a comedic element to them and would cast me in them so um so high school was definitely where it sort of uh flourished is when i was able to stay put and just really really sharpen that tool nice it was always funny in college when i was in speech and debate and you probably did some of the same things i do which are the individual events so you know when it was pros and things like that but what was always funny every term almost for sure at least once a year on the calendar for the school it listed the class as mm -hmm. forensics so mm -hmm. first day of each quarter we would all be in there and it would be like the same 15 you know kids on the speech and debate team in college and like two new people 
So of course we were like, hey, you know, welcome, to, welcome to speech and debate. And they were like, uh, this is forensics. And I was like, yeah, it, it means speech <laughs> and debate. And they were like, oh, I I thought it was like CSI. Okay, bye. And they would just walk yeah. out of the room. <laughs> so we're not going to cut open cadavers. Yeah, pretty much. So listing it as Fantastic. forensics confused a lot of college kids back in the day. <laughs> That's the trick. Pretty much. And then we got to get past that sphinx to get into the the pyramids. Oh, wow. I was thinking of uh, Land Before Time with the two uh, guardians where they zapped you. uh, It's been too long. It's been 30 years since I've seen that. (laughs) I think that was actually. I remember Petrie. Is that one of the things? I think that was Arturo. Or not Arturo. Oh, really? Uh, I thought there was a pterodactyl named Petrie. Atreyu. I I think, well, there was a dragon. Oh my gosh, my listeners are screaming! Oh I'm wait, sure. did you say land? Bef- did you say land before time? Oh, I meant never. I think story. you're thinking never ending story. Okay, <laughs> yes, I've seen never ending story. Okay, I was like the two guardians in the dinosaur movie. I don't recall this. Right. <laughs> you know, a land before time, <laughs> and yeah. you know, never ending story. Close <laughs> enough. You know those statues that zap the dinosaurs <laughs> to heaven. You know history. Th- those things. You know it. It happened. <laughs> uh, so as you kind of progress through you know, high school in the in those mm-hmm. drama programs and then eventually leading you to the improv stage. What mm-hmm. was that first experience like after watching Whose Line Is It Anyway? And, you know, having that thought at least, maybe not the realization yet, but the thought at least of, wait, this is somebody's job. Like this is this is mm-hmm. them at work right now. Talk about that first time you were on stage in a professional capacity doing improv. Of course, yeah. So I did. I did improv in college, uh, which was very exciting and very satisfying. And I was a theater major, major in college, so I definitely got very comfortable just being on stage mm-hmm. and just kind of being in front of an audience and not feeling the stage fright or anything like that. Uh, but then when I got to Chicago and uh, went through training here, and then finally got on stage, um, I remember it definitely being like the most uh, nervous I've ever been, just in terms of like. Uh, you know, having like a, a, a packed house and being like, I've done this in other arenas. I've, I've done this uh, other arenas in terms of like fields, mm-hmm. not like, <laughs> uh, like you know, I played the stable center and, arenas, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, cause improv... I used to be in a band, uh, Creed. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, right. um, but, uh, yeah, it was just really overwhelming and it's, it's all kind of, I mean, I wish I could tell you like what I like walk you through it or anything, but it's definitely all a blur Mm -hmm. in terms of like that first show is just an absolute blur of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like the lights get pulled and then you go backstage and you're just like, I don't remember anything. That was great. Like so fun. Let's do it again. Um, and who knows? I mean, uh, from what I can recall, just in terms of my mood afterwards, I was very happy and excited, but that show could have been absolute trash. So who knows? But, um, I like to think it was very good. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a very it was a very surreal moment because especially when you move to Chicago, you watch all these people on stage. You watch the while you're a student, you watch all the 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 veteran performers play, mm-hmm. and you see some of the best talent in the world. Like I remember, I remember being a student and watching like Lauren Lapkus on stage and just being like, oh, this is the funniest human ever, <laughs> right. I've ever seen. Or like watching Thomas Middleditch play weekly and being like, oh. This this kid is younger than me and will own the world. Um, so it's just a very surreal uh, moment for you to be on that stage mm-hmm. where they were or are, and then get your shot to do it. So um, yeah, just just uh, absolutely absolutely wild. Especially, I mean, in a in a space like Chicago, which does have a very heavy improv scene, 
react going to the shows and seeing everybody there for however long, you know, be it months or years until your first time on that same stage. And that surreal feeling of being like, no, I should be out there. Like, how did I end up here? (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely it definitely feels off the first few times until you get in your comfort zone. And also the you know, the the uh, a lot of my training was at I.O. And that's like where where I definitely um, uh, enjoy playing the most. And definitely our teachers would be like, I remember playing with Chris Farley on the stage downstairs and he would, you know, crash through the room. And then you're up on stage and you're like, oh, my God, these these uh, icons of comedy Mm -hmm. stood right where I'm standing. And it just yeah, it just becomes very, very, very surreal. I can definitely imagine that (laughs) now, other than it being kind of a blur in the beginning, obviously, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, especially because even in the past, you know, decade, you have been doing a weekly show you know, world Mm -hmm. news, you know, tonight and other projects like that. So that is just in the past decade of doing a weekly show, let Mm -hmm. alone your experiences, you know, before that, what would you say with improv has been kind of the hardest set, you know, that you have been able to kind of work through or talk your way through, be it an audience interaction or just Mm -hmm. feeling off in the moment? Um, I mean, every once in a while you get, because uh, the theater that I perform at used to be in Wrigleyville in Chicago, which is right next to Wrigley Field, which is just full of the <laughs> drunkest, worst people. Right. <laughs> um, so we, we would always get some sort of like talk back from the audience in terms of them shouting things, thinking it was like a stand-up set and they were <laughs> interacting. Um, but I feel like the the absolute kind of, not worse, but just like the, the gigs that are the toughest are... I do a lot of like corporate gigs for IO where it's like some business will have us come and do like their holiday party or something. Interesting. And the toughest, the toughest gigs are, are twofold. One is when a business, um, so like Tropicana or whatever business brings us in, they will bring us in at like 9am as like a surprise for their employees. Oh, great. So their, their employees get to work. They're, they're uh, ragged. They're tired. They're, you know, they have all these uh, deadlines they have to get to, and then they're all called into a conference room, and they're like, hey, everybody, it's 9.15 a.m. We're going to do an hour-long improv show, and they're just like, oh, God, like this is the worst. <laughs> um, so so those are the, the tough ones where it's like I, I have confidence that me and the people I'm playing with are very funny and very talented, but the audience is in the mindset of we didn't come to you searching this thing. <laughs> it was <laughs> like we're at work. Us. You came to us. <laughs> Yeah, it's like this. This was thrust upon us. Please leave so we can do our our thing. Um, so that sort of like uh, I'm used to always playing for for audiences who are like paying to see what I have to offer, versus we're being paid to be there and entertain people who don't necessarily want to be entertained. Um, and then also the the other side of that, I said twofold. The other ones that are hard are like holiday parties where it's like a dinner while we perform. So it's like all these people at tables and you just hear like constant knives cutting, constant clinking of glasses, <laughs> constant dropping things, constant waiters asking for whatever. So it's just like this nonstop cacophony uh, buzz um, where nobody's really listening to what you're saying, but you're trying to power through and be like, there's a whole story being weaved here. There's all kinds of interesting characters, but you could care less. Mm-hmm. Um, so so <laughs> those are legit the hardest Um gigs I've ever done are the hardest shows everything else I feel like is fine relatively where it's like if somebody's if somebody's 
phone goes off, you can work that into the show. If somebody stands up and makes an ass out of themselves, you just kind of call that out and and the audience is on board with you because they realize that it's a weird situation. So just uh, as long as you're performing for an audience who wants to see you perform, you're protected. Uh, but anything else versus yeah, anything that, else in your everybody, yeah, everybody you're in, you know, in the performing game, whether it's improv or play that Wednesday 9 a.m. crowd, you always want to shoot for that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You don't want to venture into that sort of improv Yukon territory where it's like the wilderness of people who don't know what improv is, who think improv is stand up, who don't understand what you're doing and don't want to be there. That's that's the sort of uh, the territory that needs to be blazed that I'm not willing to to blaze uh, to under- found. Understandable. Because, again, I think if it were <laughs> like a Friday, you know, four o'clock or Friday, five o'clock at work, you know, when you're getting people like as they're kind of leaving, then they get something to kind of lead them into the weekend. A 9 a.m. Oh, yeah. show. Oof. That yeah, just... woof. Yeah, and I just did today, I just did a, a workshop with um, a company from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., and they were thrilled in terms of, like, yeah. we got out of work to come do this, and, like, this is fun. We knew it was happening, and this is exciting. So it's, like, even even if they just have knowledge of it, they're, they're more on board and excited and prepped. But just that idea of, like, we, we didn't know this was happening, and now we have to sit here and indulge you, like... <laughs> You can be the funniest human alive, and they and they're just going to be stone faced. Yeah, that that definitely has to be <laughs> rough. Now, kind of going back to you know something you said before when you were kind of first entering the professional improv space, and you know, and the the teachers you know are talking about mm-hmm. the legends that they have either taught or been a part of. So, as mm-hmm. a professor of improv at University of Illinois Chicago, one of the things I, I thought about is that old saying that you cannot teach funny. And so I would love to hear from both a kind of personal and professional side of things, how you feel about that. I feel, uh, I mean, there's a yes and a no in terms of the audience, regardless of if they know it or not, are going to gravitate towards strong personalities or even just like somebody's look. So someone like, like, um, like we mentioned, I mentioned Chris Farley, mm-hmm. like that guy was just a force of nature in terms of like, didn't matter what he said or, you know, it's just like, he's, he's so funny. The minute, the minute he walks on stage, you're like, what's going on? Or someone like Will Farrow. Yeah. Uh, I said, Will Farrow, Will Farrell. If you look at Will Farrell's face before he says anything, you start to laugh, right? Just because the composition of his face. So I feel like there's, there are these intangibles that you can't ever teach that are just going to help someone out greatly or hinder them. But I feel like with improv, you don't really teach comedy. You you teach the idea of like listening, of being in the moment. So mm-hmm. I feel like anyone can learn skills for improv that will make them a successful comedic performer. Because a lot of humor and improv, uh, in my belief, is a byproduct of like character and commitment. Where it's like it's not something you're you're striving for. Like you don't. You don't sit in a scene and then are like, uh, you know who would enjoy these cookies? My wife, you know, and do like a Bora impression. <laughs> right. You, you, it's a, it's a back and forth. It's a, it's an interesting conversation that is humorous because of people's responses or choices or the way you phrase something. So I, I feel like that can absolutely be taught. So I feel like anyone can become a successful improviser and therefore a successful comedian. But like I said, I feel like there is a certain um, intangible that will come along that you can you can never teach like um you know there's just certain personas there's certain personalities 
that just have that um, sort of in, in their DNA that you mm-hmm. can't really you can't really do any you know achieve yourself. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I just I have always wondered about that because even you know in in my you know theater background and stuff like that, you know, working with acting coaches, that is one thing because I feel like it is so much more almost rigid when it comes to acting because it is mm-hmm. like read this book about acting so you can become an actor. Whereas yeah. improv, I feel like because a lot of you know improv, at least in my kind of worldview, is comedic. I'm sure there might be some serious ones out there that I just do not know about. There absolutely is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? You're saying serious improv shows or podcasts? Well, like yeah, shows and podcasts where like it it is almost more that kind of straightforward versus the ones that I kind of again mm-hmm. like we mentioned whose line is it anyway? You know, in Hello yeah, from the yeah. Magic Tavern and things like that where they are comedic improv i feel like that would be harder to then teach but like you were saying i mean i really like that lesson of it is less about teaching the improv it is about teaching how to listen yeah absolutely so it's just the idea of like what perks up your ear like if you if you truly have your antenna out if you're truly in the presence what are you picking up on and what can you do with that or how can you respond to that? It's like being, you know, if, if you're if you're just a good conversationalist, mm-hmm. it's something that, that Arnie always says, like if you're a good conversationalist, you can be a good improviser. And I, I wholly believe in that. Where it's just it's just a matter of making the other person look good, responding to what they're saying, holding up your end of the conversation, right? So if we're doing improv and I say like, there's a UFO over there, and you're like, Oh, yeah, there is. Yikes. <laughs> Um, that's not necessarily good improv, right? right? But if you say like, yes, there is a UFO. I can't believe they came back. That's good improv. Mm. Even though that's not, that's not like someone being super funny. Right. Just the choice to be like, oh, fuck. Like I've dealt with these guys before. Right. Hang tight, you know, follow my lead. That is super funny to me in terms of, it's just an interesting choice. So it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not take my wife, please. It's not, you know, like. These these um, Mel Brooks uh, sort of uh, jokes or anything, but to me it is comedy because it's just an interesting choice that maybe goes against what other people would have expected. That this sort of like uh, undermines expectations. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I I heard you guys talking about that on on an interview you guys did either at maybe uh, XOXO or or somewhere else where the, mm-hmm. the people that you bring on to Hello from the Magic Tavern, you know, either your friends or colleagues or other people just kind of in your space and with hello from the magic tavern being this fantastical you know world of food if somebody you know quote unquote random to the show says something about the sky being orange immediately you guys are like oh well yeah normally it is but today it is blue you know and you just you just kind of have to (laughs) roll with that as it is in happening and so yeah being engaged in that moment yeah, so it's just I think it's just about trying to uh what to tr- try and be inside whatever's happening versus stepping outside of it to comment on it, right? So that uh, again that idea the the dumb example I gave of like, hey, there's a UFO, that idea of like I'm living inside this moment. I've seen these UFOs before. I've been uh you know, beamed up before, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um versus being like, what are you talking about? You're drunk or like that's not a UFO, that's a weather vane. Anyway, how about this weather, right? So, so that <laughs> right. idea that the the latter two choices are you choosing to just be like, I'm going to step outside of this and comment on it, so that I feel in control and I don't feel vulnerable, <laughs> or or uh, put in a position where I have to like, you know, 
be a human. Whereas the first one is, is to me such a wonderful choice of just like, again, just saying like, I've seen this before gives a human quality to things, establishes a, a commonality between you and your partner gives a foundation and then we can build on that from there. And it doesn't have to be wacky. It doesn't have to be silly or, or, or quote unquote, like what people, you know, would classify as like classic funny or humor. It's just a simple choice being made that we all agree to. And, and therefore is, it does elicit laughter so that, yeah, to me, improv can absolutely humor and improv can absolutely be taught in terms of like how you get there. But again, there's people's brains who work in a way that you just can't, can't really teach or anything or who deliver it the pack the packaging for what they say is so goddamn hilarious that that it feels like it can't be taught but that's just their their packaging not the content as a teacher uh for the most part i'd say like 99 percent of the time to me the students that (laughs) that do the best or who go on to achieve the most success are the students who come in and they're like i don't really know what this improv thing is i just want to meet folks or I want to get comfortable or speaking to people, those people go on to be the best. And the worst are the people who come in and are like, I'm kind of the funny guy at work (laughs) or, you know, or or like, you know, I love wedding crashers like those uh, or who tell jokes on stage. Those are the people who tend to flounder or fail um, versus the people who come into it with just a curiosity. Mm -hmm. The people with a curiosity tend to go on to achieve great things in terms of being house and you know being staffed on a show for, as a writer creating their own series whatever that might be um so it, it just seems to be a common trait is that idea of i'm here out of curiosity versus i'm here to be a f- star and get out of my way kind of thing right can we curse on this show i didn't uh I, I will bleep that out that is all right <laughs> <laughs> sorry i know that is fine um well i mean yeah and you've, that... you've heard me perform before right yes <laughs> uh i know... like it the language yeah <laughs> and it is one of those kind of like the martial arts tenements of coming into a new thing being my cup is empty. So like Mm -hmm. that type of willingness and openness to be like, I might think I'm funny. I might think I'm whatever, but in this moment, this guy, this professional has things to teach me and I need to be receptive to that. Or like you said, it is not going to work out as well because yeah, you already are coming into it with this ego that is probably unwarranted from what it sounds like. Absolutely. And even even in the performance or practice of comedy is like martial arts in terms of like, if you think of like Jeet Kune Do, which Bruce Lee created, mm-hmm. Absolutely. that idea of like <laughs> being like water, being fluid. That's how improvisers should be in terms of like, I don't have a set thing I'm waiting to launch into. I'm not, I'm not watching your lips waiting for them to stop so I can launch into what I want to say. I'm listening and digesting what you're saying. And uh, once you're done, based on what I know or, or my skill set or mindset, I will respond thusly and trust that it will work out. Right. Awesome. Um, so that idea of like being open and malleable and adaptable versus having a thing you're sitting on to launch into. And we, I mean, we do both of those t- types of comedy or improv in magic tavern or any show I do. Right. Mm-hmm. There's moments where you have a bit to get out and you get that bit out. So I'm not saying it's, it's, across the board something you do it's something you strive for like you aim for the bullseye sometimes you hit a 13 you know but it should be it, it should be for a true improviser it should be what you strive for you maybe don't achieve it but you strive for it gotcha you're at least on that path so and that yes actually, exactly that kind of ties into you know some of the other things that i wanted to to talk about with magic tavern is you have been working with matt young and arnie Neekamp before hello from magic tavern years before 
it was ever a podcast. You guys have been working together just on the same either a team, as it were, or on the same kind of production, you know, for yeah. for improv. What has that transition been like from being on stage together to the being in studio together? Uh, it's very weird. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, it's just very weird because I, I think w- the show we did was World News Tonight, mm-hmm. um, a, a wonderful show that's still running now that we're still performing um, 15 years on, created by Jason Chin. So, um in, in World News Tonight, we're on stage in front of 150, 200 people. We're very physical. We're, we're playing characters. You can see the facial expressions. You can see the object work, the environment being set up. And then to go in the studio where you're sitting down the whole time, the facial expressions don't matter to the listening public. Right. You can't really – you can't always communicate as effectively as you'd like to. It's just an interesting transition. And I think now I prefer – podcasting to live improv just in terms of like uh because it's it's more so much more as possible for the listener than right. for a for a live improv show so i think because of because of what it does for listeners or what it provides or, or the scope of it i think podcasting to, to me as an improv vehicle is way more exciting right now but i always like i will never stop performing live just because that's uh, as an as a improviser, as a as a individual performing, I think that's maybe sometimes more satisfying to get the laughs in the moment right. <laughs> or the or the guffaws or the whatever sighs, whatever you get. Um, Hopefully, never the it, just the dead silence, <laughs> <laughs> the crickets. Yeah. So that that immediacy, I think, is what brings improv to life. A lot of times, is like we're doing a scene, and based on audience reactions, we can adapt, or based on what the audience is enjoying, we can do more or less of whatever that is right that that electricity in the air of like this is a shared moment where both audience and performers are equal participants in it um i think that's yes so so exciting but i I think that skews towards being more enjoyable for the performer sometimes whereas i think with podcasting it's so much more intimate for the listener Mm -hmm. in terms of like i can listen to this whenever i feel like i know these people i feel like i have a relationship with these people or these characters um so yeah i I think i think the uh, podcasting um, format for improv is just way more just it's it's the bright new shiny thing for me so it's it's way more exciting right now awesome and on you know that show that we have been mentioning hello from magic tavern uh I mean, yeah, I have been listening since the very beginning, which was 194 episodes ago, <laughs> Yeah, um, which is crazy to think about because it just it is something where I listen to it every week, you know, and I do mm-hmm. not really think about it. But then when I was looking it up before uh, we were going to be on the call and I was like, all right, let me just get a number. And I start scrolling past iTunes. And I was like, <laughs> I've been listening to this for over three years and 194 episodes. <laughs> but it, again, I mean, it speaks to your point of. Like I just I felt like I knew you guys, you know, and I felt that yeah. that connection because it was something that we had the shared experience every week, which gave, you know, kind of me the confidence then first reach out to you a couple years ago and be like, hey, this is who I am. And then we just have been, you know, in dialogue and in conversation this whole time. But it all kind of started with that shared experience. Yeah, we have uh, when we do live shows or we meet um, listeners, it's always so weird and, and awesome for them to come up and be like, uh, you got me through a really rough time or like, I feel like I know you like there, there's a really cool energy to it all. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, we'll get someone who who feels like they know us so well that they'll walk up to Arnie and be like, hey, you idiot. You know, and it's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> like that's that's way too overly familiar. Please stop. Mm-hmm. Please go away. Um, 
but for the most part it, it is a really cool thing to to have that relationship with fans where it's mm-hmm. like they uh we provide them some amount of like comfort or friendship or whatever that is right uh, i think is really cool and we feel the same way in terms of um like we just had an episode we just did a book club episode that's mm-hmm. going to come out soon for pride and prejudice and we had um, one of our favorite guests is Mark Logston, who plays Crom the Barbarian. Awesome! And we had him on, and and he's wonderful. Everyone on the sh- on the, that episode was wonderful. Um, but we were talking about like, oh yeah, it's been a, it's been I don't know a few months since we had Mark on, and, and then we looked at it, and it's like it's been a year, and <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's been like yeah, a year and a half. It was, or a, it was a long time. <laughs> but it's so funny because just the how fast time moves you know it, it's so funny to be like we just had mark on and then be like it's been a year and a half <laughs> holy cow that's right. insane um it, it feels so it feels like we've done 14 episodes so it's very weird to be approaching 200 mm-hmm. well and then your other show hey riddle riddle which is definitely a, a baby in comparison you guys mm-hmm. have about 18 episodes so far yeah uh, that is one that i full disclosure uh i have not caught up on uh, <laughs> but you know, it is just it, it is a totally different type of show than Hello for the Magic Tavern. And it gives people a different you know, perspective as to kind of who you are and your other kind of improv friends in this new type of show. Yeah, it was very I very much wanted to start a podcast where I didn't have to remember <laughs> lore. plot or like canon lore. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hey Riddle Riddle was definitely like a, a, my outlet for I just want to be myself. I want to talk as myself do silly bits share personal stories uh and just just kind of hang out with friends so uh, i very much um needed that other podcast in my life and i'm i'm so happy with how it turned out and with jpc and aaron are just incredible so i'm very i'm very happy with all that let me also say (laughs) not to make this weird Mm -hmm. please for all your all listeners don't ever feel like you have to come up to a podcaster and say you're not caught up (laughs) (laughs) i feel like 95% 95% of people I meet who are like, I love Magic Tavern. I'm not, I haven't listened to the most recent. I'm like, there's no need to, <laughs> I wasn't a, I wasn't just about to bring up the most recent episode right. or, or the last couple. So please, if you, if you talk to a podcaster, there's no need to ever bring that up. Nobody's caught up on anything. I'm not caught up on my favorite podcast. <laughs> so just, just relax and enjoy and have a, a cool conversation. Just be a human talking to a human. But yeah, it, it is, it's just, it becomes something I've heard so many times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, but also there's no, no need to say that or, you know, what well, is like, or, I always, or, I always feel weird when I was just uh, covering a film festival recently up in Canada and I was talking to some of my friends and connections in the film uh, industry up there. And one of them was like, Oh, I was listening to your most recent episode, blah, blah. And then it is always weird because I was like, wait, you actually listen. Ah, what? Like, and then it is like that weird dichotomy <laughs> of like, I never expect anybody to listen. So when they bring it up, I'm like, wait, I, this thing that I put out into the ether, oh, people actually listen to it. Oh, this is weird now. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did you have to make it that's weird wonderful. by saying you listen to the show that I produce? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. That's wonderful. I had a really, a really outstanding exchange where I was at IO about to do world news and three people came up. It was, um, uh, two of them came up and they're like, we love hello from the magic tavern. Can we get a picture or like whatever? And I'm like, Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just an idiot getting water. Um, and then the third person came up and I just, uh, all I said to them was I go, hi, I'm Adol just to be like, hello, I haven't met you yet. Here's my name and let's be human. And the person went, 
sorry, I don't know who you are. And I'm like, oh, I just introduced myself. <laughs> but, but it becomes this weird thing of like, you didn't have to tell me you don't know. I don't expect you to know who I am. Right. Your friends were very enthusiastic, but I don't, I don't care. But it was just so funny of like, my name is Adel. I don't know who you are. Sorry. And I'm like, oh God, like, just tell me your name and we'll be off to the races. Like, like why does this have, why does this have to be this weird backhanded moment of like, let's just say hi. Wow. Yeah. Well, but uh, I'm also, I'm also very overly sensitive. So <laughs> fair. Fair. I, I mean, again, I'm, too, I, I'm too aware for my own good. I always say that with, with creatives, we as creative content creators, you know, whatever it is, we have huge egos and zero confidence. And so, oh, yeah. you know, because we have to believe our thing is great. But then when people actually say, hey, I like your thing. It is great. Then it is like, why are you saying that? You know? Yeah. It's very much like, oh, you're an idiot. Like you like that. You like right. my thing. Ugh. Yeah. Poor taste. Cool. All right. So now that we did the getting to know you uh, section with Adol Rafai. Uh, all of the links to Adol's podcast will be in the show notes. Uh, so, hello from the Magic Tavern. Ooh. Uh, hey, Riddle Riddle. And then I will also put a link down there for World News Tonight because then you can see him in the flesh uh, if you're in the Chicago area. So, all of those links will be in the show notes. Now, this annual tradition uh, that I came up with <laughs> a couple years ago called No Shame November. The, the meaning behind this is there are things that all of us watch or listen to or read that we love for whatever reason and usually there are things in that same group that we never really talk about that either it is a movie or a tv show that is just critically panned and so we do not talk about it because we were like oh of course not Why, why would i watch that dumb show when really your DVR has been set for it for the past four years. <laughs> so in the month of November, I dedicate one episode to as a safe space to talk about these things, these these pieces of media that for whatever reason we enjoy. So what we're going to do is we each have uh, three things. I have an honorable mention as well that I will get into uh, later. And yeah, these can be TV shows, movies, books comic books whatever it is that the theme is no shame depending on our choices uh we'll see if that how that goes uh but to, to <laughs> there kick may it be off, shame they're, they're very well okay if if the past two years of doing this uh, yeah. podcast have been any indication uh yeah there definitely has been shame uh in them <laughs> so i was listening uh back to one of them and yeah, I was like, wow, I just got roasted uh, for some of my choices, but that is okay. <laughs> this is a safe space. So, uh, Adel, how about you kick it Till off it with, your, down. with your first choice for No Shame November? So my first choice is, and, and this is something, I mean, for for I think all of mine, I don't really have any shame in terms of like guilty pleasures. Like I kind of put stuff out there and I don't really care anymore. Mm-hmm. I think you, you hit a certain age where you just you stop caring what people think. Um, I mean, I'm still sensitive, but to, to a certain degree. Um, but my first choice would be I unabashedly hyper enjoy uh, Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. Like, wow, that there's there's a brand of pop music that I just love. And I feel like as a improviser, um, my my mentor and, and person who turned out to be one of my best friends and my roommate, Jason Chin, who created World News, mm was so adamant uh, about improvisers should be abreast of all uh, pop culture. Like you should you should know uh, 
uh, a little about a lot. Okay. So he was very big on like he would just read everything. Uh, he would subscribe to stuff he normally wouldn't subscribe to or watch movies he wouldn't normally watch or whatever that was. So I very much tapped into that vein of like when I was walking around Chicago versus listening to, you know, my favorite albums or, or strictly like pitchfork recommended records of the year. Right. I started to just listen to pop music um, and really came to enjoy Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. So um, that's music that I listen to on the reg. That's music that legit brings me joy and like makes me bop around a little bit. And I, I'm not ashamed of, uh, uh, of listening to it. And I've also, uh, oh my which gosh. is insane you, to me. I was going to say, if you say that you have gone to a concert, I am going to, my mind I, is going to explode. <laughs> John, oh boy. I have not gone to a, I have not gone to a concert. I've gone to two concerts and I've been front row. Wow. <laughs> I was, I was front row at soldier field for Taylor Swift. So through, through connections, mm-hmm. I got front row for Taylor Swift at soldier field. Uh, so I was as close to the stage as anyone could get. And in this little, uh, roped off pit, it was me and like, music executives being like who is this guy (laughs) and then for katy perry through 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 the same connection i was front row sitting in front of like a lot of like 12 year old girls who couldn't see over my head right (laughs) so so for most of the concert i would be like do you want to stand on your chair or do you want me to like lean down so it it was very enjoyable guy making it weird right now (laughs) (laughs) they're like is this what a drug dealer is and i'm like no 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 please i'm just trying to help you out um let me help you enjoy the show right um so yeah, I've been front row for for uh, Katy Perry at United Center and Taylor Swift at Soldier Field, and oh, I, I had a GD blast. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> it was so so fun at both shows, and I and I sang my little heart out. Okay, uh, see, uh, and thank you, you know, for for sharing. Yeah, that. <laughs> and being open. yeah, and hey, I love uh, my favorite band is probably Radiohead. I also okay. my my favorite album is probably uh, Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. So I, I'm aware of like critically acclaimed music and I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of all that too. But to me, I enjoy metal. I enjoy uh, like Garth Brooks in some country. Like I've been backstage at a Kenny Chesney concert. Like, wow. I, there, there, to me, it's, it's so sad to limit yourself to like, eh, I don't like this type of music or like this band, but I'll make fun of them because I know I should. Mm-hmm. Like to me, there's a sadness to that. So I very much just embrace like if something makes you kind of move or or you enjoy it, like why would you not listen to it? Like there's no um, there's no reason to sort of sweep that under the rug. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and that it makes sense. Uh, and at least with those two that you mentioned going to a concert, I, I'm sure it was still like a well produced, like fun event. Oh, yeah. There are certain artists that legitimately, I have no idea what people would do at a concert. So, like, Sam Smith or Adele. I was like, dude, you stand around and cry? Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, what? they're probably at a piano sobbing. <laughs> right, I was like. <laughs> draped draped in, like, a death cloak or something, yeah. And, like, there are certain bands that, that I really like or groups that I really like that I would never feel comfortable going to a concert because mm-hmm. of their fans. So there's okay. a group called Apocalyptico or Apocalyptico. Oh, I, I have some of their CDs, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so great cello group but their fans you know it's like a bunch of emo goth folks and i'm like um so big and that and a bunch of like goth lolitas and everything and more power to them it is just something where i just do not know what i would do at a concert like that so i love the music 
but going to a concert with certain yeah. bands yeah yeah i've been to like i i uh dated a girl whose some of her favorite bands were like fallout boy and mindless mindless self-indulgence oh and stuff. Boy. so I, I i i went to these concerts where i'm like i i've listened to the music enough with her that i enjoy it or i can enjoy some aspect of it or some songs but then when you're there live surrounded by a fan base it is to <laughs> it is so awkward of like i don't know how to move my body in a way that's enjoyable for me right. around these people and i know they're all watching me because i'm wearing a red plaid shirt at this like goth convention. all black you know? everybody's yeah. mascara is running <laughs> so it it is very funny to like stand out and then also be someone who stands out and and doesn't have the the will to be there yeah it's uh i i can appreciate that interesting all right cool so yeah so first choice uh i i like that one uh that is that is bold uh my my, <laughs> my first uh choice is a genre of tv uh i have been watching and i continue to watch pretty much any and all competition baking or cooking show <laughs> everything from the Great British Baking Show, uh, Zumbo's Just Desserts, Sweet Genius, Food Network Star, Chopped, Top Chef, Iron yeah. Chef, Cutthroat Kitchen. I watch them all, and I will binge them all. <laughs> like recently, Netflix has just been dumping so much, and the Final Table. The Final Table. I have not started watching that one yet. I just finished that, and it's it's pretty good. Uh, but these baking shows. So especially when you watch uh, like a British one, an Australian one, and, a, and an American one, they are so different. So like the Great mm -hmm. British Baking Show or break, gr the Great British Bake Off, the whole music is just like is Prokofiev. And it is all just like whimsical and dancing. And everybody is just standing around <laughs> and cheering. And it was like, you never see this on an American cooking show. On an American competition cooking show, it is all dun 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 dun, and you're like, "What yeah. is happening right now? Why is everybody having?" Well, they're a heart all attack? sweating. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> whereas like the the British ones, everybody is just so low key. They just walk around. They're all like cooking in this little tent outside. Yeah, and they they show like goats outside, and you're like, "What is yeah. happening?" My favorite, uh, the my favorite sort of uh, juxtaposition between the two is like in American shows, it's like you lose, and they're like, "Pack your knives and go." Yeah, immediately. And it's like <laughs> it's like nobody talk to them, nobody look at them. They are weak, and so they should be eaten. And then the Great British Bake Off, someone gets eliminated, and they're all like, "Oh my God, this breaks my heart to tell you, you're being eliminated, but you are worth something, and you are amazing, and you will go on to do great things." And can we all just give them a round of a like? It's so funny to like see us versus uk of like us we tear down uk mm -hmm. they build up and they're like it, it's just a silly thing and like you are wonderful and you should open your restaurant and follow your dreams yeah it is the contrast between them is yeah huge i mean everything even from the way it is filmed let alone the music mm -hmm. choices and whatever but the way the cuts are done the way that it is shot like in a lot of american shows they will like go from the competitor and like zoom into the clock and then zoom back to the pot and everything yeah. is just so intense seriously the great british bake-off is like one of the most calming tv shows you could ever watch and you yeah. forget it is a competition because people are just yeah. like hanging around baking i think you nailed it with the like when you said they show goats it made me or, or, or sheep or whatever it is right? it made me immediately think uh the difference is factory versus farm like the yeah. u.s is all like metal and industrial oh, music yeah, yeah. and like 
like the 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 uh, the beat of like we we have to keep going and like you know things fall apart um uh and then the great british bake off is just the farm life of like we have to get work done, but there's not a care in the world. And look at this beautiful bucolic uh, landscape. And <laughs> yeah, it is. It is so weird. But yeah, I am obsessed with those. I have been watching those. I mean, I started watching Iron Chef when Food Network was still doing the Japan one when they were like, oh yeah, you saw those over. That. Yep. Uh, and then they started Iron Chef America, and then they had uh, the next Iron Chef, and I watched all of those seasons. Yep. Like yep. it just, it has been an obsession. But it is something that, yeah, certain people, when I'm like, man, I love Great British Bake Off. And they're like, sorry, what now? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm obsessed with those. And there are so many on Netflix now. Is, yeah. It is just a problem. Because I already I already watched so many and I still watch them. And now I can binge 12 episodes at one time. I think you'll like Final Table. I will, I will say, I don't. I stopped watching Great British Bake Off, and I don't watch like the like Zumbos, mm-hmm. Zumbos just last desserts. resort or whatever that's called. Yeah, uh, any baking show, I I can't really enjoy baking shows because it's such a science. Like to me, right. it's not fun. Whereas I I love, I am absolutely obsessed with like Top Chef mm-hmm. or or Chopped yeah. or any of those because to me it's it's way more fun to see people working with ingredients that, that are like volatile in terms of like I can do a million things with this versus like I'm following strict measurements. And, yeah. and crossing my fingers that that this will work in the oven. I love just seeing people saute meat or whatever that is, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, there's something in my brain that gets such primal satisfaction from from uh, proteins or veggies or whatever that is versus baking seems so tedious to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that, that makes, and again, it, it makes sense. You know, it is yeah. it is very different. The thing with uh, like Zumbo's just desserts, that one, like you see them working with a scale, and that one. I mean, that is Australian, and it is kind of a hybrid between the American okay. and the English style. But, yeah, you see them okay. measuring. You see them weighing stuff. Great British Bake Off. It, I mean, and this is somebody, like, I initially, like, when I first moved away from home, like, I moved out to go to culinary school, you know? And so yeah. watching people on Great British Bake Off, knowing that baking is a science, just dump flour in a bowl, throw some eggs in there without measuring it, like, Every time my heart just kind of skips a beat, and I'm like, uh, "But you are uh. <laughs> you fool." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, versus the other shows where yeah, it some of it is very regimented, chopped. Yeah, like I love chopped just because it is like, "Hey, you are a professional chef. Good luck." <laughs> like, knock yeah, yourself here's out. here's some pork and some gummy bears. <laughs> right. Make it work, idiot. And so, yeah, and I, some raisin I, bran. And, <laughs> exactly. I love so I yeah that that kind of stuff I enjoy the baking stuff I enjoy to a certain degree. But but again, I and, and even like the the Zumba's greatest hits or what I forget what it's called. Zumba's just desserts. you just mentioned it. <laughs> just, greatest Zumba's just hits. Desserts. Wow, that was, that was even third that. Album. <laughs> yeah, the greatest hits after two albums, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Even that is like uh, a lot of the flair or like skill work comes from like fondant or like yeah. carving marzipan, where it's like <laughs> I made this six foot Frankenstein out of marzipan, and it's like cool inedible but cool yeah. mm-hmm. We're <laughs> so it's like even though that's impressive it's it's more like uh like being a sculpt like a sculptor yeah, or like, something and I, I, where I i'm like to i watch, don't or not trying not to watch but yeah there are shows like nailed it where yeah that is kind of the yeah. crux of the show is build this four foot six foot thing and i was like yeah i still would like people to be able to enjoy yeah. it like people like yeah. that crew is big there yeah are probably like 50 people on the crew give them some cake 
do not have them yeah. have like slice of this <laughs> thing that is probably not going to taste good because it is covered yeah. in fondant. Yeah, I watch. Uh, uh, you you help me just just figure something out, which is I watch shows to see food I want to eat. Mm, yeah, and I I don't have a huge sweet tooth, and I don't like I don't like cake. Like unpopular opinion, I don't <laughs> hey, like this, cake. This is no shame. Uh, November, I think cake Adel. sucks. Yeah, Look, we accept you. <laughs> Thank you. I think cake kind of sucks. So the band and the the dessert. Uh, wow. Okay. So whoa. Whoa. To, How dare to, you? <laughs> to me, <laughs> no, they suck. Um, but I feel like it is funny to me of like watching baking shows at the end i'm not hungry or i'm like i don't want to eat that right but at the end of top chef i'm like oh god those caramelized scallops <laughs> with the deviled egg topping i want to eat that so yeah. i think you helped me just realize it has to do with like my appetite or what i find appealing and to me it's like something it's something savory versus like yeah. uh, gross gross cake that is valid that is valid cool all right uh so that was round one so round two of your no shame november what is your second pick my second pick, going along TV or, or a genre TV, I, I guess it's not a genre, but maybe two specific shows. Um, I am so big into Big Brother. Okay. Absolutely adore it. Um, and so many people make fun of Big Brother or think it's so gross and lame. <coughs> uh-huh. um, and, and also Survivor. So oh, those are two shows that every season I will not miss an episode. Um, and Big Brother is uh, specifically tragic. In that it's three days a week. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and okay, so, so I remember when when season one of these shows came out. Are they on? What are they on? Like 35, 37 seasons. Survivors on thirty seven. Big Brother. I can't remember what Big Big Brother just hit. Um, but it's 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 way up there. But yeah, it's it's so Survivor is one thing because it's an hour once a week. Right. But Big Brother is three hours a week. Plus there's Big Brother After Dark, what? which you can watch, which is like the live feeds. So it's it just becomes it's almost like uh it's it's it becomes a drug of like you've had this little taste, what else is going on? You get wrapped up in like what's going on in the house, are people having sex? Is someone pregnant? Right. What are people who said something terrible? Like it just becomes this sickness of <laughs> I'm so invested in these people. I'm so invested <laughs> that i have to know every goings ons and wow. uh yeah and i and i love it like i love every, i i love every minute of it now because both of those do they're the type of show that in the in a calendar year they have like mm-hmm. what two or three seasons or i know they structure it kind of differently yeah they usually have one that wraps up uh in late fall survivors gonna be winter and then they usually do one in like the springtime i believe Big Brother did so. Big Brother um, had a had a celebrity Big Brother recently, so that was kind of how they mixed things up. Was to do a celebrity version. Um, how was that? Yeah, was it weird? Uh, was it sad? It both. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was sad in terms of like like Shannon Elizabeth played in it oh, from no. American Pie, <laughs> right? And she was like she was very charming and like uh, very she's very like physically adept at the challenges and really intelligent at the social play but then she started to care too much and like oh, no. people saw her as a threat and voted her out and she took it all very personal and it was like this is a game and, and like mark mcgrath was in it from uh sugar ray wow and he was like just trying to like friend everyone and like it, it just gets it gets very weird because you know their backstory or you have some perce- yeah. perception versus a random Joe Schmo that you're yeah. like, oh, I, I'm invested in you because I have no idea who you are versus Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah. You're like, 
Oh, like what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it it was it was really really or like Amorosa was in the season so it, it was it was really fascinating and and surprisingly enjoyable, um, just because each person brings their own baggage immediately versus us kind of seeing that unfold or blossom outward. Right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, those are shows that I have not watched. Let me see, the last full season of either one of those shows. <laughs> that I watched mm-hmm. was Big Brother probably in 2003. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the last like full season. I remember watching it. I was invested. It definitely was not mm-hmm. on three times a week. That was when it was just one time a week. Yeah. But Survivor, like, I remember it when it started. I know it is still a big show. I would do that show if it were just the physical challenges because yeah. that interests me. <laughs> but going out, the, yeah, I... Wow. Okay. I used to, in college, we used to, my improv group in college used to watch every single episode at a friend's place, and we would, like, wear the bandanas, and we would chant the theme song, (laughs) and we would, like, scream all the names. Like, as the names popped up, we'd scream the names, and we'd all make, like, tiki drinks or make food and stuff. And then with Big Brother, I didn't watch it up until uh, a good, uh, good, good friend of mine um, and coach of mine, Mike Enriquez, uh, he was a big fan of it and so at one point he got me watching it and then I was just like oh this is the the worst best show of all time <laughs> well and then when you guys got together to watch Big Brother you set up two webcams in your living room and then <laughs> it was super meta <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> wow okay uh, in- interesting choices I mean yeah those at least are I mean yeah they're popular shows like they 37 seasons is yeah. no joke and I have a couple other friends a shout out to my friend Matt Oaks Silver Screen Riot he loves Survivor, and mm-hmm. like he was saying, this season is one of the best, and I have it's zero phenomenal. context. <laughs> this season of Big Brother was one of the best. This season of Survivor is one of the best. And I, I feel like Survivor is, just from my experience mm-hmm. and who I interact with, Survivor seems to be way more socially acceptable to watch than Big Brother. Valid. I feel like a lot of people <laughs> watch Survivor, or or at least appreciate people who watch it. I feel like Big Brother, when I mention it, it gets panned. Like People are just like... That is the stupidest show. You're wasting your life. Like they don't, they can't do anything. They just sit in a house. Like I, I feel like Survivors. They're both popular shows, but Survivors way more socially acceptable to admit you like. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, okay, my second round choice for No Shame November is a movie from 2003, uh, Uh-oh. directed by the one and only Mick G. The movie is Charlie's Angels Charlie's Full Angels? Throttle. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this movie <laughs> is a sequel, of course, to the wildly successful mm-hmm. Charlie's Angels reboot. Half uh, Throttle, from, yeah. From, <laughs> right, Half Throttle from the year 2000. Uh, both of these movies, I will say, are trash. They are so terrible. <laughs> I have seen the second one at least a dozen times. Uh, actually, that is, a, and that is a conservative guess. Um... Uh, <laughs> The movie is is just, that the one with Sam Rockwell as the villain? Uh, no, this it is one with uh, Justin Theroux with a terrible Justin Theroux, okay. Irish accent. Um, uh, Demi Moore is in it as the former angel who then wants to get revenge on Bosley because she got shot on a mission three times in the chest. And The movie is so bad and so atrocious, but it is such a... like So this is 2003... 
Uh, physics do not exist in this universe of Charlie's <laughs> Angels. Literally every kick they throw, every punch they throw, they're just floating through the air. Like they go yeah, to. Kick I feel somebody. like I've seen shots of Lucy Lou just like floating off into the space. Oh yeah, with a kick. <laughs> and it just—it is so dumb. Uh, the plot, of course, you know there are these two rings that, when combined together and put on this thing, it has the entire witness protection database on it. Everybody who perfect. has ever been in yes, witness protection. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, of, of course, it, on a ring. The perfect rings. crime. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> um, you can't even write that. Uh, and yeah, Justin Throw is this Irish mob boss, uh, and his accent is atrocious. And it is the... But, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, can we just say, I I love that guy. Like, he's even great. when he's... Like, even in... Like I saw Your Highness when it came out in theaters, wow, which I don't think was great. But Justin Thoreau was amazing. Like yeah. I feel like he's so committed to anything he does, where he's like, I don't care if it's a movie, I'm gonna rock this character, right? Yeah. So I just love that um, he has no he has no shame. Like if we're celebrating No yeah. Shame November, Justin Thoreau is the king of no shame in terms of he'll take any role and put his whole heart and soul into it. Yeah. No. He... Even if it's bad. <laughs> oh man, and it is. He is at <laughs> 150 the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he did get mm-hmm. shredded for the movie. Like he he physically looks great, but his accent. Like at one point, uh, he is talking to his ex girlfriend, uh, Drew Barrymore, and somebody says like, "Oh, something about pain." And he was like, "Pain? I'll tell you about pain." And I was like, "What do? You, what country? That is not even Ireland. Oh, like no. wherever, you, whatever part of Ireland you are from is not on this planet." <laughs> Um, I'll tell you about peen. Right. And then just like, so yeah, it just, it is a mess of a movie. Is Tom Green in that one? Uh, no, he was in the first one. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, I've seen this movie so many times if I'm flipping through the channel and I just need something, not need, (laughs) I don't really need anything in the background, but if it is just on, I will still enjoy it for some stupid reason. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, so Charlie's angels. Full Throttle from 2003, wow. directed by Mick G, uh, is my is my second choice in this world that physics do not exist, and the country of Ireland is just <laughs> on a different planet somehow. Yeah. Um, I I forgot to ask is it counting is it counting up where three is like our our biggest? Oh, chain? these are just or, kind of or, uh, no n- no specific. Okay, because I was, I was I was gonna say you should feel way worse about that than you do about like Top Chef. <laughs> <laughs> valid <laughs> valid um all right so your I, I feel like that's one of the only that's one of the only like three movies in my life that i turned off because i remember starting to watch it and then turning it <laughs> off because i was like nope and the, and the other one uh, i walked out of the mummy the first mummy movie oh, i walked out of the theater I thought about putting that on my list i love that movie <laughs> oh god it's so bad and i can't remember what the third one is yeah something else bad yeah uh, well i mean in the first 10 minutes of charlie's angels full throttle they're in northern Mongolia uh, <laughs> trying to get to get the CIA informant out. And it is just 10 minutes of madness. Um, and if, yeah, if you could not make it through that 10 minutes, you stood no chance making it the rest of the hour and a half. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch it just for Justin Theroux. Yes. All right. And then I will and then I will message you and we'll <laughs> we'll have a deeper conversation of either me just screaming at you Fair. Um, or or us holding each other while crying. Uh yeah, that that sounds good. Uh cool. <laughs> All right, so your 
last official choice for No Shame November. Go for it. My last choice, and this is something I've absolutely legitimately loved my whole life, and I will not back down from this. Don't at me. Come at me. Long John Silver's. This is delicious. What? what? <laughs> the restaurant that I have not even seen one of those in real life in like 20 years. Long John Silver's, Long John Silver's is a delight. It serves up crispy what? chicken. You get hush puppies. You get these little crispies that come to the bottom of the box. They have delicious ice cold root beer. Uh, they have a nautical theme that's enjoyable and delightful for all ages. When you leave, they have a giant bell you can ring to let people know you were there and that you walked this great earth. Um, it is wow. uh, so, so good. And and, and I'm a big um, foodies now deemed like a, 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 a dumb word, but I'm a big appreciator of food. I spend a lot of money on Are food. Are you, though? I'll, Are I'll you? I'll go... <laughs> I'll go eat at like Alinea, which is like one of the best restaurants in the world. I'll go eat at all these prefix menus. Mm-hmm. I will spend thousands on food just just because I love food that much. I will go to my grave <laughs> saying that Long John Silver's <laughs> chicken and hush puppies is one of the best meals. It's so good. Wow. Okay. Now that and might e- be- and everybody everybody gets furious when I talk about or if I'm on a road trip if I'm with an improv group and mm-hmm. I'm on a road trip. And I go, Long John Silver's, let's pull over. Everyone laughs. And I have to explain myself. You're like, to no, say, seriously. <laughs> I know that that might seem like a bit. That might seem like me saying, let's put on some Nickelback. <laughs> I appreciate Long John Silver's. Can we please pull over and at least get me some food? Um, and it gets it gets pretty bad. It gets pretty choppy. I mean, it might be a Midwest thing, but I legitimately have not seen a Long John Silver's on the West Coast in decades. Now, did you guys have I'm sure th- uh, Skipper's? I think it was another one. I've never heard of Skippers. Is that yeah, a seafood place? Yeah, we had those over here. We had there was like Red Lobster, Long John Silver's, and I think like Skippers were like the three like okay. What would you what you would call like fast casual seafood? Yeah, the holy trinity of seafood. <laughs> and and I'll say just just to just to clarify, I don't <laughs> I don't care for Long John Silver's fish. They're a what, fish oh. restaurant. They're <laughs> fish happening? first. They're, they're they're fish forward. I I thank them for their service but the chicken is the way to go you have to get to chicken planks you say no thank you fish today you can put that white fish away i want chicken planks with hush puppies and extra crispies then what you do is you get two packets of honey mustard sauce they will uh hand those to you put those in the box you open them up you squeeze those onto the lid you dip your chicken into that honey mustard congratulations my friends you're talking to saint peter because you're at the gates of heaven Wow. Okay. So wait, is extra crispies a secret menu thing, or what? It, what? What are extra crispies, and what are they crispy things of? <laughs> <laughs> so extra crispies are basically like little nuggets of batter that have fallen in. So like the batter that they put on the fish or chicken falls right. into the fryer. When they take the basket out, they don't they don't use a strainer or anything. Um, they just put the extra little crispies in the box. So you usually get just a little handful of those. But if you ask for extra crispies. They'll take whatever ones they have left over from other stuff and dump those in. And, and it's a it's a fun little treat for the whole family. And it's wow. uh, I mean, it's just fried batter, which is wildly unhealthy. <laughs> I was gonna but say. oh, boy, it's so good. <laughs> well, I was trying to think. I was it's, like, is it bits of so chicken? Good. Is it bits? Of, no, it's just the batter. It's just batter. So it's, it is uh, vegetarian friendly unless they deep fry in like beef fat or something. Wow. OK. Um, I can. But honest- I refuse to. I, I've, I will wear that. Um, that that tattoo on my chest proudly of like Long John Silver's is one of my favorite things to eat. 
I, I just have to look up Long John Silver to see if there are anywhere like I feel and you're like, in Seattle? Yeah. I feel like there are none. Uh let Well me Seattle see. has access to like some of the <laughs> freshest seafood <laughs> in the US. <laughs> oh, oh wait, So like there, you guys are there is one. You guys are Okay. I was gonna say you guys are chomping on like gooey duck. Like you have no room for you have yeah. like delicious sashimi and scallops and <laughs> yeah, oysters. Th- there is one, and it is hmm, a mere like thirty miles outside of town. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> hitchhike, hitchhike those thirty miles. <laughs> right. Well, I feel like the memory that I have of Long John Silver's, and it might, and again, I might be confusing one of the holy trinity of fast casual <laughs> seafood places, but they had a <laughs> one of the, like the the platform Pac Man games. Like mm-hmm. the the sit down Pac Man games. Yeah, that looks like a little table. Yeah, so I that might be at Long John Silver's, but I I legitimately have no idea. It has been at least probably thirty years. So yeah, wow. You'll and you'll. I feel like that must have been somewhere else because you you'd know a Long John Silver's. <laughs> like it's this it's this like unsettling yellow with like this royal blue. And you go inside, and there's all these thick, thick ropes strewn across. Like some fisherman tried to catch the restaurant itself. <laughs> right. There's like buoys. There's like buoys hanging around. In case you did uh, not know, you were in a seafood restaurant called Long John yeah. Silver's. <laughs> They're like, come on, what else can we do? Like, unless we literally have hooks. Um, and it's uh, they. I I have a picture of me as a kid with like a little sailor's hat made from it's. This says Long John Silver's, almost like the Burger King crown. Okay. They had like the, the Long John Silver's sailor hat, so you would know. Like it's a very it's a very visceral experience to to step inside one. Well, I feel to like where it it imprints onto your brain for life. I'm looking at the exterior of one right now because I had I yeah. seriously had to get a reminder, and yes, I have been to one of those. The one that I was thinking yeah. of in the town that I grew up in, again, it must have been one of the other ones, but it had a giant anchor like in front of the building. Yep, yep. A lot of them have giant anchors. Oh, so th- that you okay, can, so that was Long John Silver's. Okay. You can pose for a picture while sitting on the anchor. <laughs> I believe the two... So there's like the center portion of the anchor, the longer part, and then there's like the two <laughs> desical anchors that, that come up. The two prongs. Um, the two prongs and versus being pointed, I want to say that they have points, but then they have little platforms on top of them, maybe to where you could like sit. Because I remember it being very picture friendly. Okay. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I. That you are on your own island with that one, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is where I want to be when I eat uh, Long John Silver's. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Uh, my last choice before my honorable mentions uh, is another genre. But this is not of TV. This is of movies. Now, mm-hmm. being a film critic, I, I see <laughs> literally hundreds and hundreds of movies every year. The genre that will always hold a special place in my heart, that again, <laughs> most of them, I'm going to go out on a limb and say 90% of the genre is trash. But the sword and sandal genre, which started when I first saw probably Conan the Barbarian and then Conan mm-hmm. the Destroyer along with Red Sonia, like those 80s sword and sandal movies, which then... Beastmaster, would that be one? Which one? Would Beastmaster oh, be one? absolutely. Yeah. With his little ferrets. Was that the guy with the ferrets? That was a TV show. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and the movie. But yeah. Uh, in the TV okay. show, he had the hawk as well. Um, but yeah, that genre... I, I I love, and then when I like, I think when I was also younger, 
I started seeing on like uh, like Turner Classic Movies or whatever, Clash of the Titans, Jason and the Argonauts, like all of those old school uh, kind of peplum, Italian made. Um, a lot of them, like the Clash of the Titans and Jason and the Argonauts were British, but a lot of the Italian ones, like a lot of the biblical ones, yeah, were just dubbed and they were always off. It never really What's synced the guy, up. Like Harry, Roy, yeah, the... Roy Harryhausen did the stop motion animation that, I mean, honestly, like revolutionized filmmaking. Yes, it looks a little bit yeah. cheesy now, but think of like seeing it back then. Nobody had done that. Yeah. Like it yeah. blew people's minds. So going down uh, the list of some of them. So I already said Conan the Barbarian and the Destroyer, uh, Red Sonia. Gladiator, 300, Immortals are some of like the more recent ones. But seriously, like Jason the Argonauts, Clash of the Titans, like those movies, yes, objectively are just the cheesiest of cheese, <laughs> but amazing. <laughs> uh, Is Red Sonia Ivan Drago's wife? What's her name? Brigitte Nelson. Yep. Brigitte Nelson, yeah. Yeah. The, and, oh. and one of the Conans, I remember seeing as a kid one of the Conans, I can't remember which one, but Wilt Chamberlain's in it. That would be and the I remember, Destroyer. Okay, I remember seeing Wilt Chamberlain, and I'm like, what <laughs> puppet is this? Like, how can a human be that tall? Because mm-hmm. he's next to Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's the largest man, like, <laughs> right. uh, uh, size-wise, like, in terms of, like, bulk. But then I saw this guy, and I'm like, that guy has to be, like, 20 feet tall. That's a building. And I, just as a kid, I couldn't comprehend what was happening, where I'm like, is he, is this, like, skin on stilts? Like, what, <laughs> what is happening? That would be infinitely more terrifying. <laughs> yeah. This is, like, 20 kids in an overcoat right. with stilts? What's happening? Uh, yeah, there is kind of a, a legendary picture, uh, I think just black and white, where it has Arnold Schwarzenegger, this just, like, on the set of that movie, and he's standing mm-hmm. there, and Wilt Chamberlain is, like, two feet taller than him. Ugh, and it's just massive discrepancy. But with Conan the Destroyer, they went PG-13 versus R of the previous one. Gotcha. And it kind of felt like, uh, well, you remember like when Ninja Turtles first came out, the first movie. Yeah. And it was- It's it was, amazing. I love that movie. Dark. Oh, yeah. Love it. Dark and whatever. But the Ninja Turtles 2, they yeah, took a decidedly- like Cartoony. Cartoony approach with it. Uh, Michelangelo would use and, like the sausages as nunchucks. And it was like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Donatello says perestroika as a joke. Um <laughs> But yeah, the first Ninja Turtles, the splinter in that was so that gave me nightmares. Yeah, it was, and I it loved was creepy because yeah. this splinter looked like a real rat who had been like sprayed with water. Yeah, and he was blood. all wet. <laughs> and then yeah, and then as the turtle movies went on, it became more and more cartoonish. Where like by the time it's Turtles in Time, they're all like they have like freckles and they're all like really whimsical and they're like bonking each other versus like the real visceral display of like Jim Henson puppetry in the first one, which was amazing. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Troy was another recent movie, well, recent 2004, <laughs> that I, I love the movie Troy. Visually, it is stunning. But my goodness. Troy? I've never seen it. With Brad Pitt, Eric Bana, Peter O'Toole. Like, it is, Orlando Bloom is in it. It is a beautiful film, but oh my gosh. So, one of the biggest problems with this genre in general, Sword and Sandal, a lot of these take place in Greece and Rome and that type of area. All of them have British accents. And I was like, really, guys? <laughs> like, and even like the, the Italian one, they are dubbed using like American voices, which makes it look even more Perfect. weird. 
<laughs> I'm yeah, like, perfect. What what is happening? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Troy, like yeah, Brad Pitt is doing like an American style accent. Eric Bana is doing his Australian accent. Peter O'Toole is doing his English accent. Orlando, and it was like, what country and what planet is this taking place? Real in? mixed bag. That's outstanding. Yeah, but there's also something to be said in terms of um, what was the. Oh boy, was it last year? What was the um the guy who this is gonna be such a roundabout way t- since I can't remember the name the guy who wrote Veep or uh, 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 Ernesto sure. Ignacio so the guy who made the TV show Veep mm-hmm. um he had a movie last year with like Steve Buscemi and Jeffrey Tambor about Stalin the death of Stalin do you the death of Stalin did you see that uh they sent it to me uh no I have not watched it <laughs> holy hell it's so so phenomenal really? it's fantastic it's absolutely stunning but the best part of the movie is that it's all these american actors like steve buscemi and, and british actors and all these people mm-hmm. and they just made the choice where everyone is like don't do a, uh, a russian accent and i <laughs> bold choice and I, and I loved it because it's like versus them like you said with like justin thoreau where you're like this is noticeably bad <laughs> i love that they were just like nobody wants to see steve buscemi do an accent like you just no. want to hear his, his silly voice so i thought it was such a cool move and something i wildly appreciated um where they 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 set the tone they let they let the audience know here's how to love this movie which mm-hmm. is like to not care so r- right up top everyone has british accents in russia under the <laughs> stalin regime perfect and stalin in one in one scene stalin gets upset and starts yelling in like a cockney accent and i'm like this is amazing <laughs> because they're like setting the tone of like n- nobody here is going to have a Russian accent. They're very hard to do. If we do th- do them, it's going to sound like moose and squirrel, mm-hmm. and nobody wants that. So it, it, I just thought it was a really classy <laughs> move to just be like, no, let's let the actors act and not let this this accent get in the way. I mean, yeah, that that definitely is is a bold choice. Um, yeah. Watch the movie. I I would say it's one of my favorite movies of the last like ten years. So I I would highly recommend wow. you watch it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I. I have it. They sent me a screener. Um, and then I just, yeah, yeah, it got shuffled. Um, and then there's a there's a book series also to kind of the last thing of, of this called the Sword Dancer series or the Sword Dancer okay. series of Tiger and Dell by Jennifer Robertson. Started reading those books in middle school, and then they just came out with a recent one a few years ago. There are six of them. Love it. Like it just, I yeah. So the sword and sandal genre, it gets panned justifiably um, <laughs> very often you get a rare one like gladiator you know that yeah. is just exceptional but for every one, good one, one you best ha- picture what was that did it win best picture i think it won like In four oscars <laughs> like it okay it, it did a lot um but yeah for every gladiator you have like 20 immortals and 300 and troy <laughs> and all of those mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh yeah so that, that was my my third choice uh do you have any honorable mentions i will say because you mentioned charlie's angels full throttle Mm -hmm. i will mention i my honorable mention would be the movie shanghai noon yes (laughs) with jackie chan and owen wilson yeah because i was just thinking like just talking like i was like that's around the same time ish sure but i remember uh i remember watching that and just being like oh this is just candy like this Mm -hmm. is so delightful the comedy, the action of it, love like it. it has everything I want. I love westerns. I love martial art flicks. I love comedies. So it's just like this broth, this sweet, sweet, delicious broth that that 
healed me. And I remember going out to buy it on DVD, like the the as soon as that came out and everything. So I still have a DVD copy of it somewhere. But I feel like yeah, Shanghai Noon is a movie I will never get sick of watching. Yep. And I I will always not I will I will never not enjoy that movie. I've I've a hundred percent support that decision. And then Shanghai Nights, uh, the sequel mm-hmm. was also really great. Uh, pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Great choice. Yeah, that that is yep. a solid honorable mention. Uh, my honorable mention. Uh, comes in the term of a mobile game. Okay. Uh, I have been playing Candy Crush <laughs> since pretty much it came out. I probably spend like two hours a day playing no. Candy Crush. <laughs> um, oh, God. <laughs> oh, you're under arrest. Uh, <laughs> this is where the shame comes in. Like, so, oh, God, John, what are you doing? I mean, okay, so. Something has to change. So, disclaimer. Um,. <laughs> I commute a lot on public transportation mm-hmm. uh, to various screenings and whatever, so I got some time. Uh, mm-hmm. I could. And you got some. You got some time, and you said you're behind on Hey Riddle Riddle. Boy, okay. oh boy, do mm. I have a solution for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, normally, normally I'm playing joking. Candy Crush, listening to Magic Tavern. Uh, okay, fair enough. Fair so, enough. yeah, I, I, I think my current level is three thousand four hundred and three. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I seriously have been playing it. I mean, it has to be close to... How much candy can one person crush? <laughs> oh, I have yet to find out, my friend. I have oh, yet to find God. out. John, um, oh, you have to go to like a rehab. That is so bad. Two hours a day? I mean, again, at various points, not, not... Okay, maybe not always sitting down at one time. Can we... Do you have like a little calculator next to you? Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Yep, got it. Well, I, I don't even know if we need a calculator. Okay. <laughs> so two hours a day, 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. That's... Seven hundred <laughs> two times thir- oh, two times three sixty-five. I mean, that is only seven hundred and thirty hours. I mean, really seven and and seven hundred and thirty <laughs> hours divided by what twenty-four? Is that how we do that? To find out how many days that is? Uh yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Divide I mean, that by twenty-four. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, sorry, the connection just got real bad. I must be going through a no, tunnel. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have my ga- I have my Game of Thrones sh- nun shame bell ready to to <clears throat> shame you into oblivion. Approxi- How many days a year? Approximately thirty days. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> a month of your life a year, <clears throat> morning, noon, and night with no sleep. Thirty days a year. Is devoted to Candy Crush. But imagine, though, there are only approximately 4,000 levels at the current design. Oh, I could get up oh to that no. level. <laughs> this is how they get you. Oh, they're reeling you in. You're on the hook. You're, you're, oh. Oh, you're I, getting reeled I've, in, my man. I've been on the hook for years. And like it used to be back in the day when they were not putting out new levels like almost every week. I would get to the yeah. point where I would get to the end of the track in Candy Crush, and there would just be like a little wrench being like, new level's coming soon, and I would have to wait like they're, two weeks. It was They're like, <laughs> your sickness is too far ahead of where we're at. Like, can you wait for us to catch up with your sickness? Yeah. Um, oh. So that, what if then... you What if you like, what if you started like lifting weights two hours a day? Like, that's more fun. Right? Who is to say I, I do not do that either? Or like... <laughs> but yes um and then two dots is another mobile game that i have been playing pretty okay. much since it came out um how that does one two it, dots work two dots is basically just like you you make squares with with dots okay. and you break blocks and stuff that one okay. i'm not up to level 3403 so it is 1730 um 
out no, of a possible. No. I think that one only has like 1,900 levels. So that's uh, what, another 15 days onto your year, yearly right. tallies? <laughs> so 45 days. <clears throat> yeah. So those are those were my and honorable how many, mentions. How many days per year do we sleep? Like, uh, John, how <laughs> how do you do stuff? Yeah, yeah, it is it is a lot. Um, cool. So yeah, that was uh that was this year's no shame November. Uh, there mostly some... no shame November. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, there was some heavy shame on a couple of them. Yeah, we'll um, call this the new the new title for the podcast is throwing shame throwing shame oh, i like that i like that a lot um cool so then adult you are busy not playing candy crush um <laughs> so talk about kind of what things you are up to currently like i said everything will be linked in the description below but plug everything that you are working on oh thank you um yeah check out hello from the magic tavern we are just about to release that um, book club episode, mm -hmm. which is so so fun. We have uh, uh, wait, Flower quick question. On and um, yeah, did everybody read the book this year? Uh, I think everybody except for Flower. Nice. Okay. And they they may have been doing a bit by saying they didn't read it, but <laughs> uh, it seemed like they also didn't read it. Okay. But that I feel like that's a good that this episode, the book club episode, will be a good entry point. If you're looking to just listen to one episode and get kind of a feel of the world or how things work, I feel like that's a good jumping on point. And then if you like, you can go back to the start and, and catch up or listen or binge. Um, I also have, as you mentioned, a new podcast called Hey Riddle Riddle. Um, we are, uh, yeah, we're about 18, 19 episodes in. Um, and that's basically me and two other hosts um, put riddles and puzzles out into the, into the uh, world and try and solve them. And we improvise scenes along the way and have some interesting discussions. Uh, and then um, fairly infrequently, but still a, a, a huge passion project of mine, I do a podcast with my sister, Sadia, called Siblings Peculaire, mm -hmm. um, which has 35, 40 episodes, somewhere in there. And we, we release them. We try and release them as as often as we can, but it ends up being like once every uh, eight weeks or two months. Um, also, World News Tonight, you mentioned. And I think uh, I think that's about it. Nice. Uh, you heard, yeah. or I heard something very exciting uh, on the new book club episode. Probably my favorite returning character, not favorite character in general. Okay. I will not say who that is, uh, Usador. Um, but my favorite returning character, Flower. I oh, love yeah. Flower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, she'll be on. She's so so funny. I, yeah, love that character. Uh, and we'll be, oh, I forgot to mention, we'll be at PodCon in Seattle. Yes. Um, PodCon, t PodCon 2 in uh, January. I forget the dates, but it's like mid-January. Mm -hmm. uh, so so go check that out. Come see us in Seattle and uh, say hi. Are you going to be at that? Uh, I definitely plan to. Uh, yeah, I awesome. definitely want to this year, last year when it was going on. I think I was like just coming back from covering a festival or something and I was downtown and like I walked past Justin McElroy. <laughs> like it was one of those things mm -hmm. where I was like, do, do, do wait a minute and then like i turned around why I do like, i know that guy yeah, yeah. And i was like ah no i'm not gonna be that guy on like the streets of seattle be like justin <laughs> so uh well cool yeah then everything will be in the show notes like i mentioned um as for this podcast like i mentioned at the top of the show you can find it at about to review on facebook twitter and instagram full links to the show notes and guests will be on abouttreview.com. If you want to support the show, there's a support tab on the website with a direct PayPal link. There's also an Amazon wish list. If you wanted to help out the studio in that way, it would be fantastic. Uh, yeah. So thank you, Adol, for, for making the time 
to do this. I know it has been a long time in the works, but we made it happen, and I'm glad I could have you on for the No Shame November episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to 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 put those presents out into the world and hope that people listen to or watch or eat what I what <laughs> I uh, put out there. Fantastic. Uh, so <laughs> for for this episode of the About to Review podcast, I have been joined by Adorify. And I have been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Bye. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a treat.